0: If you've got a Bible with you, you might like to uh, turn to uh, John chapter 19. And I'm reading from verse 38. John chapter 19, I'm reading from verse 38. Later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body down, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb, both running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been round Jesus' head. The cloth was folded by, up by itself. Separate from the linen. Finally the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you brought Jesus back to life. We thank you for the Easter story, for its message of hope. And we thank you for the promises in which it contains. Father God, would you speak to us this morning through your word? Would you visit us with your risen Jesus Christ? May we experience the power of his resurrection in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Promises, promises. The world is full of promises, isn't it? I love a story of a little boy who whose older brother talked him into letting him crack some eggs over his head. The two of them were getting ready to boil some eggs so they could decorate them for Easter. When the older brother told the younger one, if you let me break three eggs on your head, I'll give you ten pound. The younger brother's eyes grew wide with the prospect of getting such a large amount of money. Are you sure? I promise, he said. If you let me break three eggs on your head, I'll give you ten pounds. The younger brother closed his eyes and held his hand at the side of his face as the older brother laughed and cracked open the first egg. As the yolk was just beginning to roll down on his cheeks, the older brother said, That's one. As he cracked open the second egg on the older brother on the younger brother, the older brother said, This is so cool. The younger boy then braced himself for the third egg. But after a few seconds Nothing happened. Come on, I'm ready for the third egg, said the younger brother. The older brother said, are you kidding? That would cost me £10. (laughs) We live in a world that's full of uh, empty promises. We watch TV and we read newspapers. And I don't know about you, but in my case, I'm bombarded with emails with all sorts of wonderful promises in them. Richard, you have won this car. Click here for more information. Anybody ever got an email like that? Or Richard, you have won a Caribbean cruise for two. Click here and follow the link. And of course... If you ever do bother to click and follow the link, you'll discover that they're empty promises. And that you've won absolutely nothing. And they're just trying to get you to sign up for something or to buy something. Empty promises. The world is full of empty promises. And whilst the world is full of empty promises, on Easter Sunday God gives us emptiness that is full of promise. The world's promise are full of emptiness, but on Easter Sunday, God gives us emptiness that is full of promise. But it wasn't always like that, was it? And it wasn't obvious to those first disciples. Rob Bell, uh, a friend of some of us. Says this in his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians. Imagine growing up in a Jewish family in Israel and being taught from your earliest days that your people were the chosen people by God. Imagine growing up with that history, that heritage, that story, and then trying to explain to your children just what these Roman soldiers who don't even believe in God are doing in the streets of your village. A nation wondering where their God is, clinging to the suspended promises of the prophets maybe those promises of the prophets seem like empty promises and even for the disciples as they stood by or sat by and watched watching Jesus being crucified must have felt that here was another empty promise that has not been fulfilled well this morning praise god On Easter Sunday, God gives us emptiness that was full of promise. And I want to talk about three things that are empty but full of promise. First of all, the promise in the empty cross. The promise in the empty cross. It's dawn on the first ever Easter morning and the sun has not yet risen. Above the horizon, a few of Jesus' followers. Women are on the way to the tomb. They've been walking for about half an hour. Their conversations is subdued. They are broken hearted. They are going to anoint the body of Jesus. As they come to the top of the hill, they stop motionless and quiet. They stare far off into the distance. As they look, they see the empty cross. A gruesome reminder of the events a few days ago. You see it, silhouetted above the glow of the orange morning sky. The locals call it the skull because of the way that the hill is shaped. The cross stands as a grim reminder of what happened just three days ago. There was no question about it, Jesus was dead. The Romans knew it, the soldiers knew it, and the Jews wanted to make sure of it. You see, Jesus died. But what I want you to see this morning... Is the empty cross. Because of that, we have the promise of forgiveness. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. The promise in the empty cross is the promise of forgiveness. You see if you were with us on Good Friday Do you remember one of the mocking words That were given to Jesus Come down from the cross And we'll believe you Come down from the cross if you are the son of God Well Jesus was going to come down from the cross But in his own way And in his own time The promise of the empty cross Is the promise of forgiveness Paul says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now when we think of a gift, we normally think of Christmas time, don't we, or birthdays. But the real gift was given at Easter. And here's what God says about the empty cross. That God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So an empty cross, a sign that we can receive forgiveness. The promise in the empty cross. And then there's the promise in the empty tomb. The women went to the tomb early on Sunday morning and the stone was rolled away. In Luke's version of the resurrection, it says, While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Hallelujah, yes. (laughs) He has risen. The promise is... In the empty tomb, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. What she never imagined was that the tomb was going to be empty. She just probably felt relief that they weren't going to have to somehow try and remove that stone. The promise in the empty tomb. He is not here. He has risen. The promise in the empty tomb is the promise of eternal life. That Jesus has risen from the grave. The empty tomb fulfills the promise of the resurrection. Jesus said time and time again to the disciples. He promised them. That the Son of Man would have to suffer and die and three days later he would rise again. Jesus had given that promise and the promises of Jesus always come true. The promise in the empty tomb is the promise of resurrection, of eternal life. The tomb was no longer needed. Single owner, only used three days, and still has that new tomb smell. Reason for sale, residence was resurrected. <coughs> the promise in the empty tomb. And then, thirdly, there's the promise in the empty grave clothes. The promise in the empty grave clothes. Max Lucado, in his book, he chose the nails. He says this, most folks don't discuss grave clothes. The Apostle John, however, was an exception. Ask him and he'll tell you how he came to see burial garments as symbols of triumph. He didn't always see them that way. A tangible reminder of the death of his best friend, Jesus. They used to seem like a symbol of tragedy, but on the first Easter Sunday, God took clothing of death and made it a symbol of life. God took the clothings of death and made them a symbol of life. John goes to the tomb with Peter, having heard the news from Mary. I love the fact that they, uh, that they race to the tomb. It kind of shows the, you know, the humanness. Sometimes uh, we look at the disciples and we forget that they were just ordinary men, and we see the kind of human manliness in the fact that they raced to the tomb. You know, who's going to get there first? And uh, John, um, you know, who's writing this gospel? Don't forget, can't help tell us, can he, that both were running, but the other disciple, who could that be? Uh, outran Peter and reached the tomb first <laughs> you know wouldn 't you just want to tell people that hey that you got there first? I love the earthliness of the story that uh, John outran Peter, a promise in the empty. Grave clothes. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been round Jesus' head. The cloth was folded by itself, separate from the linen. Do you notice John gives us not only the detail about the fact that he outran Peter, which we mustn't forget, but also this little detail about the grave clothes themselves. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded by itself, separate from the linen. The Bible takes us an entire verse to tell us that the grave cold was was folded neatly. I wonder whether that's significant. It certainly was for John, because he records it. It's one of those peculiar pieces of scriptural information that reaches out and grabs us and says, hey, just look at this verse for a minute, what's going on here? Don't skim over me, don't jump on to the next verses. Think about it, Jesus had just been resurrected. One commentator says this, in order to understand the significance of the folded grave clothes, you have to understand a little bit of Hebrew tradition of that day. The folded napkin had to do with the master's servant, and every Jewish boy knew this tradition. When the servant set the dinner table for the master, he made sure that it was exactly the way the master wanted it. The table was furnished perfectly, and then the servant would wait just out of sight until the master had finished eating, and the servant wouldn't dare touch the table until the master had finished. Now, if the master was done with eating, he would rise from the table, wipe his fingers, his mouth, and clean his beard, and he would throw the napkin scrumpled up across the table, and the servant would then know it was clear for him to clear the table. For in those days, a a scrumpled up napkin meant I'm done. But if the master got up from the table and folded his napkin, and laid it aside of his plate, the servant wouldn't dare touch the table, because the servant knew that the folded napkin meant... I'm not finished yet. The folded napkin meant, I'm coming back. Interesting, isn't it? The cloth was folded by itself, separated from the linen. Peter and John had walked with Jesus for three years. They had watched Jesus opened the eyes of blind people, made the death hear. They'd watched him raise people from the dead. They'd watched him die, and they watched all their hopes and dreams shattered. All they could think of was, it's over, it's over, it's finished. And for three long days, they were in the depths of despair. The lights of their soul had gone dim. Peter even said, I'm going back fishing, I'm going back to what we used to do. And then after three days, it was an empty cross. An empty tomb. And now empty grave clothes. Folded. As if somebody had folded them in that particular way. As if someone was saying. I've not yet finished. I'm coming back. And John sees the burial clothes. He believes. Finally the other disciple who reached the tomb first. Also went inside. He saw And he believed. The promise in the empty grave clothes. Disciple who reached the tomb first went inside. He saw and he believed. What he saw, he suggests, was the cause of his belief. The promise of the empty grave clothes is the promise Of personal belief. Jesus is alive. For John on that first Easter morning, instead of a promises full of emptiness. God takes John's emptiness and fills it with promise. And God can do the same for us today. When we feel empty. When we feel that our lives are all messed up. When we think, feel that everything has gone wrong. When we feel defeated by suffering and death. He can fill that emptiness with his promise. Are you running on empty this morning? Do you feel all washed up? Maybe you've had promises in your life. That have been unfulfilled or promises that have been broken. And you know the hurt and the damage that that has caused. And here is a God who says, there is a promise in the cross. There's a promise in the empty tomb. And there is a promise in the empty grave clothes. I don't know about you, but it makes me want to talk about funeral wear. As a minister sometimes you know I have uh, strange conversations because uh, I spend a fair bit of my time conducting funerals so it may be a bit of a morbid subject but I quite often talk about you know what I would like at my funeral. But so far I've never thought about what am I going to wear it hadn't struck me before about the funeral clothes. I've talked about the sort of songs and hymns and what I would like and the the PowerPoint and the music and and all sorts of other things. Uh, Actually, death is a common subject in our household. Uh, But I'd never thought about today, what shall I wear? It had never seemed very significant. And yet, it was in those folded grave clothes. John hadn't even seen Jesus yet. He didn't know there was this, there was this Not knowing because of the confusion about the empty tomb and and the empty grave clothes. And yet John sees these empty grave clothes folded. And it's as if something, the penny drops in his mind. And you can imagine if it was a film, uh, all of a sudden they'd kind of go back, wouldn't they, to all those incidents when Jesus had been talking about the fact that he was going to die and come back to life. And you can see it being played out in John's mind. And suddenly he believes. And some of us have here have had that experience when the penny drops. And suddenly everything is clear. Suddenly everything makes sense. Suddenly all those questions that we had about God and suffering and death. Suddenly it's all crystal clear in our minds. Suddenly we find faith and belief. It's a gift of God. As I was referring to in the picture earlier, some of us went to hear Rob Bell uh, on Wednesday night. And he did about an hour of questions and answers and people had all sorts of, of questions. Um, and people do have questions and there's a sense in which it's great to debate and talk with people and discuss but it's only when people discover for themselves that God is real that the penny drops we can preach about it we can talk about it we can tell about it we can read the scriptures but people do have to find out for themselves and I want to challenge you this morning if you haven't found out for yourself if you're not sure whether Jesus did rise From the grave, if you're not sure that Jesus is alive, then I would challenge you to reread these stories and to think again and just open yourself to God, to the possibility that there was something going on here that has eternal significance, that something was happening here, that in these empty things, in the promises, Of these empty grave clothes. That something was going on. And just as it was for John. Maybe it will be for you. That suddenly you will see. And you will believe. And so there is. The promise. In the empty cross. And it is a promise of forgiveness. That we can be forgiven. That God can forgive everything that we've ever done wrong. And this is good news. There is the promise in the empty tomb and that's the promise of eternal life. He's not here. He has risen. And then there's the promise in the empty grave clothes. The opportunity for individuals to see and to believe. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you raised Jesus back to life. We thank you for these images of emptiness that are full of promise. And we pray now that you would fill our emptiness with those promises. That we would be able to receive that forgiveness from you. A free offering. Not because we deserve it, but because of your grace and because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That we'd see into the empty tomb as we peer in that that he is not there, that he is alive. And that in that image of those grave clothes, neatly folded, that we might come to believe, like John, that Jesus is alive. Would you grant us belief this morning in your Son, Jesus Christ? And as we think about Jesus' death and resurrection, we pray for the world that is so full of death and suffering, and so full of emptiness. And our prayer is that the resurrection promises might redeem the emptiness of our world. Those places that are empty of peace because of war. Those places that are empty of health because of illness and suffering and disease. Those places where people's lives are empty because they feel they have no hope. Would you come amongst the suffering people, empty people this morning, and fill them with your love and your Holy Spirit, that they may see in the resurrection of Jesus The potential of new life, the potential of being reborn and the potential of eternity with you. Father God, we bring before you this morning all those who continue to suffer because of the evil of men. And we ask that just as Jesus once and for all defeated sin and death and suffering, that that miracle might be repeated in our world. As we seek to help those in need. In Jesus name we pray together. Amen.